Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 13th, 2020. We have an unbelievable show today. Four guests joining us today. These guests being my college buddies. My college buddies are here to add some insights, humor, maybe make us laugh a little bit, maybe make us learn. So I want to introduce, without further ado, my four college buddies, Andy, Chris, Golan, and Paul. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Hey there. Good to be here. First time, long time. Uh, same. Same. It's good to have you guys here. The last time we hung out was a couple weeks ago in Andy's hot tub. That was a nice time, wasn't it? Little throwback to so. these parties. There were, uh, yeah, many, many uh, parties throughout. I tried to come up with stuff from college, about college, and I couldn't really remember anything. I don't know if it was that fun or very traumatic or what, but a blank, total blank. Brian, what I liked best about the day is that it wasn't just an activity based around boozing and hanging out. We took a really uh, killer bike ride in the mountains and found our souls in there before we were really relaxed and had that great hit of our pals. Uh, we did. We did. We went on a wonderful bike ride, and uh, and it wasn't just debauchery, was it? No. And there was no complaining in the hot tub. There was no, uh, my, my muscles ache. You didn't sound like old men, which was good. Our legs did brush against one each other one time, I do recall. That was, that was troubling. <laughs> that was my favorite part. <laughs> But that happens in a hot tub, doesn't it? You just say, sorry, dude, sorry. Part of the culture, really. <laughs> and, when, and then we were listening to the Smiths, I think. That that wasn't the most masculine image, us in a hot tub listening to the Smiths, I don't think. No, that was a unusual call. I got to give it to Paul, who introduced us to that new Bob Dylan song. And just the thought of it was like, oh, Bob Dylan. But man, that song kicked butt. I absolutely loved it. I tuned into it a couple days later, just randomly while cleaning up, and I just loved it. So raw. It almost sounded like the Rolling Stones in the background, and his voice sounds like he was dead, but it actually worked. It was amazing. The worse Bob sounds, the better he sounds, is my opinion. <laughs> his new stuff is great. I think he sounds better with age. I think uh, he's lost a little bit of that ability to whine and crackle. I think so what is he now, like 77? Where are we at with him? He's I don't know. We're, this isn't the Joe Rogan podcast. I can't ask Jamie to Google it, so I'll just do it myself. <laughs> I spent two consecutive weekends in a hot tub, and then my other buddy has a hot tub. So I just bounce from hot tub to hot tub these days. Having a good pandemic. How do you get all these invites? Is it bringing this mess with you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, when you have a podcast like this, people just need you in their hot tub. Uh, so then I went, and then I was convinced myself that I'm a hot tub guy, so we just went out and bought one. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, but it was it was uh, a strange experience. We called a, a salesman over, and he spent an hour and a half talking about hot tubs and refused to give us a price. It was one. Of, I just wanted to buy a hot tub, and he's like, it's not that easy. <laughs> it took forever so then i had to ask him to leave and i went out and bought a hot tub 20 minutes later it was it was a bizarre sales situation so you didn't okay. buy it from him. you bought it from someone else I, I had to yeah this guy he refused to pivot from his his pitch and his dvds i was like i just just give us my wife said meg said can you can you just at least take a stab at a price he said we don't stab <laughs> it's the type of sales guy that can put the sale together but then just can't quite close the deal he's too into his pitch yeah he was afraid he was afraid of rejection he just wanted to keep <laughs> he refused to take my money it was bizarre <laughs> that is bizarre for sure i just changed the water in mine today brian i remember that you were there i was like it's time to dump this thing and clean her out <laughs> yeah that's the thing about hot tubs i mean how do you how often do you clean them? They're like little cesspools, right? If you don't clean them out all the time. Yeah. You know what? I, I think this conversation might be a little bit boring, but it's not terrible maintenance. It's once or twice a year. It took me an hour to dump all the water, wipe her down, fill her back up. There were some chemicals in there, and we're back on, we're back on point. 
She's cooking here. right now at 85 degrees, and I filled it back up at like 4 o'clock. So I figure right around midnight we'll be cooking again. Maybe you should venture down there for the remainder of the podcast, Andy. Perhaps. Uh, yeah, I want to teach uh, virtually my students now from the hot tub. I think that would be a good look. <laughs> you got to be careful not to run the bubbles. They won't hear you. <laughs> but it would definitely be a good look. Yeah. So there are certain people that you, as soon as they leave your hot tub, you dump all the water, huh? You, you being one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Toxic shock, the whole thing. There's yeah. a certain aesthetic to uh, hot tubs at night versus during the day, Brian. Yeah, I don't uh, think it translates as well, a hot tub, if you don't have like the bubbles going and the lights going. Well, I, will, uh, I guess I'll come to learn that. The only thing I learned from this salesman was, uh, well, now our home base is in Connecticut. We started in 1983 and all of this stuff. But now it's going to take me till December to get it. They're all on back order, these hot tubs. People, Because uh, of the pandemic. The pandemic. can't get any home stuff. No. <laughs> yeah, he was right. It's not that simple. No. Um, yeah, well, people are doubling down on their, their comforts. There, you know, like no vacation. This it's a lot of staycation comforts, right? Yep. My daughters wanted a bike for yeah, six. My my. Oh God. <clears throat> Your daughter. Uh, in, in my industry, I tell people home is now healthcare. Oh God! What a line. Yeah. What, what is a that line. True? And Chris, your daughter so wanted. Chris. Are you a doctor now, Andrew Allen? <laughs> yeah, where's no, your medical it's, uh, degree? True. Everybody needs to be home now. So now the stuff that was maybe charged neutral, like a pool or a hot tub, that's uh, got a much higher valuation at this point because everybody's staying in. Makes sense. I just quit the gym and I ordered a bunch of gym equipment for, uh, for the garage and half of it's in China. So still waiting on it. Some of it. The pools are in China, the gym equipment's in China, but the hot tubs are in Connecticut. Brian's guy will confirm that. <laughs> it's not that easy. It's not really that simple. So everyone doing all right in the quarantine? <laughs> now that you got all your home stuff? How, how's quarantine life for everyone? I know we hung out, so we're not totally uh, you know, militant quarantiners, but uh, life is different, eh? Hmm. Yeah, I, I got, as you know, I got the virus right at the top, got that out of the way. So the last few months for me, I felt like uh, you know, I, had, immunity. I had a shield of invincibility around me, but I just found out that my antibodies are gone. So uh, I'm just like everyone else now. Ah, uh, a mere weak. mortal. Yeah, so weak. <laughs> yep. So I got to mask up, I guess, but... Chris That's would have to. Actually, when you said that your antibodies are no longer available, it reminds me of Super Mario Brothers when you would get the star and run really fast and you would flash flash <laughs> so that was your immunity, yeah. and then your star would run out. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're going to be killed by the turtle head like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Remember the background? Everything would speed up. That was my summer. That was me running through ShopRite. <laughs> Just knocking people out of the way. Yeah. With mere touch. They would just vaporize the second I touched them. Straight to the vegetable aisle to pick up mushrooms. Well, yeah. now you're just one of us again. Figures Chris had to get it first. Isn't he always the golden boy, the guy who straight A's, first one to graduate, first one to get the Rona? First one to survive the Rona? Well, I had to put it on my resume. I didn't want someone else to beat me to it. So ambitious. Didn't we also say that Chris was going to be the first one to ascend during the rapture? Yeah. <laughs> I still believe that. <laughs> if there was a rapture, we would be all seated around the table, and Chris starts to levitate above us. That's why I thought I got COVID. I thought that was the rapture. But then, you know, five days later, I didn't have a fever, and it was like, oh. All right. Well, if I remember correctly, the rapture was supposed to happen on a day that we all went camping, and you were going to ascend around the fire ring. <laughs> and then the more we kind of boozed it up, we all decided that we would all ascend, and you would stay <laughs> still. Yeah. Oh. Well, yep. I, I, what happened that night is I prayed for an extension. I didn't let you guys know. But. <laughs> so now the date is next uh, August 22nd. Oh, good. 
We have an extension. Next year. Next year. We have a camping trip on the schedule now. That's it. How pissed would Chris be if we started to float in the air and you, your pious life, meant nothing in the end? Yeah. Well, who knows where you're going to float? Maybe you're going to float somewhere bad. It's true. It's true. It's all possible. So, so Brian, I remember uh, when you came over last, the, the, we, we kept referencing the early pandemic and nostalgia yes. for those times, which were only six months ago. But our hearts were so warm <laughs> for the very early pandemic and the uncertainty of it. It, it was a beautiful time, early pandemic. <laughs> the nostalgia cuts deep. <laughs> nostalgia for March 2020. <laughs> There was, there was fear in the air, excitement. You didn't know what was going to happen. Sure. And at least yeah. we're not getting wildfires. Well, or natural disasters. Yeah. Well, they certainly came too. Yeah. They I, really escaped it with just a pandemic. Pandemic's boring now. Yeah. Everyone got bored of it. There's a thing, well, you probably read about it called caution fatigue. And I think that's where basically everyone is at now. Where uh, we just, you know, those first days were polite. Everyone was trying to, you know, distance themselves and do whatever was called for. And now it's just, it's a free-for-all. Yeah. Don't you think it's enough's enough? With caution? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's not get political, but Trump, objectively obese. He's fine. <laughs> Chris Christie, the <laughs> governor of New Jersey, had it. So obese, he makes Trump look slim. He's fine. <laughs> I'm much younger, objectively in better shape. I'm not really going to spend my life worrying about this nonsense, you know, wiping down my hands with antiseptic pads every time I go to the grocery store. It's enough. It's really <laughs> enough. I'll wear the stupid mask in the store because you're supposed to, but uh, I don't know. It's enough now. Mm. Well, do you not believe in the mask? You say the stupid mask here? You ain't down with the mask, yo? <laughs> we know where we're going with this one. Yeah, so I will wear the mask. Sorry? This could be a whole rabbit hole. Uh, Chris has seen me. I will wear the mask to the bare minimum. <laughs> the absolute minimum that the mask is required. I, you will find Andy Allen <laughs> ripping off the mask when barely a toe is out of the store. Just uh, just to say, that's enough. I'm done with this. I, I'm not a fan of the mask, and I don't like the people that wear the mask in their car, driving a, a, alone by themselves. The people that, uh, that the people that walk their dog by themselves on the streets with the mask on, virtue signaling, uh, signaling uh, their fears are, are are more important than uh, than living life. Uh, I can't get into it. I'm not a fan. You've been very vocal on social media about uh, the masks wearers in the cars, Andrew. I'll be goddamned if I'm going to wear a mask in my car. It really is a pet peeve of yours. <laughs> I, I, I obsess about it, Paul. I, I absolutely obsess about it. I, I rope my wife into it. She doesn't want to hear it. She's <laughs> like, oh, God, I know. Just shut up. She can't <laughs> stand it. But uh, Nancy Pelosi was on the TV the other day. Talking about, I, I don't even know. All I could do was focus on the mask because she was up there on stage. No one was around her, and she kept touching the mask and pulling the mask and trying to speak, and she couldn't speak because of the mask. And and that is literally all I can focus on. Chris could be levitating behind us from the rapture, and I would still be looking at somebody messing, wrangling with their mask. I obsess about it. No, you won't. You won't miss that. I promise. Like, uh, I'd be surprised. I yeah, I, I think erring on the side of caution is a good thing, but it's the arbitrariness of this that drives me nuts. Like, my kids play a lot of sports, and I'm always at baseball games, and the parents will all sit together in close proximity with no masks. The kids will all sit in the dugout with no mask. But then, for some reason, there's this unwritten rule, not even a rule, but like a, you know, some sort of, I don't know, custom cadence. Or, yeah. Where if, if a dad or a mom goes over near the dugout to talk to a player, they mask up. 
and then they have their they say their two sentences and they walk away and they take the mask off but all the kids are together all the parents are together it just it doesn't make any sense if there was more of a like a structure to it i could get behind it but uh and i think in spirit it's a good thing but uh it's just weird so so nobody here we can say is nostalgic about the mask wearing part of the pandemic uh, no, uh, I am not. But, you know, like I look at these other countries pre-COVID and a lot of them were wearing masks. Like we, it seems like we just kind of entered what they some of them have been doing for years and years. And, yeah, I don't want this to be the new reality, but I don't see it as some sort of like government mind control. Hey, man, it's, it's not a mask. It's a muzzle. Like I, I don't uh, take it that far. It just seems to be a practical means to an inconvenient problem. Plus, it's another accessory for people to uh, add into their fashion repertoire. It's even going down the uh, catwalks. Yeah, I saw saw somebody at my kid's football game wearing a Gucci mask. I was like, ooh, that's a good one. But to answer Brian's question, or or, or I think, I forget who, maybe Chris brought up, am I nostalgic or will, will I ever be nostalgic for the masks on the early pandemic? My answer is yes. I enjoy hating the mask i enjoy obsessing about it this is this is a weird thing that i got i actually anytime I, i'll be by myself in my car and i'll see somebody driving in a convertible wearing a mask by themselves and i'll just say safe and i'll say so safe and i'll giggle to myself and i'll actually enjoy that so um when this is all gone i think i will be nostalgic for some maskage if you will the early That's pandemic it. was the best. <laughs> it was the best. We're still going back to that. <laughs> I am nostalgic. Well, it was like everything fell apart and like my work couldn't even find me. Nobody could even locate me for like two weeks. I was off the grid. This, this is before they figured out Zoom and Google Meet and all that. Yeah. Yeah, everything shut down. We've never seen anything like it. I started yeah, well, attending concerts online. Yes, like a, yeah, a, a band that I, I I like to follow, Yacht Rock Review, will play concerts from time to time, just randomly on Facebook Live. I'll try and tap in, have a glass of wine. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Not many viewers, so if you say something, they know you're there. It's kind of uh, nice. Get yep. get a little Hall and Oats in your life, little Oats. Oh, you know me, love my Hall and Oats. <laughs> Philly Soul. We we really up the game in our our online activity. If nothing else, this just uh, proves the way we're getting together here on a podcast. This uh, COVID thing has pushed us towards this. Dude, early pandemic. I remember one day I ended up buying a gun and I withdrew $20,000 cash. And I had a gun and $20,000 cash from the seat of my car. And I never felt <laughs> Did you so... you really pull I, out 20 grand, Brian? Yeah, yeah. I never felt so alive in my life. <laughs> I was like, this is it. This is the yes, stuff of did. movies. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And, and what's funny, Brian, is you were the one yelling at me when I bought a gun some time ago, and I didn't even buy a, a pistol. I bought a shotgun. Oh no, you don't need that. I know. And now I how know. the tides have turned. <laughs> Was it your twenty thousand dollars that you took out of the bank? Yeah. Or someone else? No, my our money. Yeah. Not James. You had a gun. I mean, you probably didn't have to withdraw from your own. We put it back in the bank, so don't show up here and try to rob me, people. It's back in the bank <laughs> when things calm down. But man, did I feel alive that day. You're right, I've Andy. I never held $20,000 in cash. How did they give it to you? Was it like in a briefcase, like one would think on the movies or something like that? Like, uh, why did you have all that? I had to bring a, a backpack, you know, and uh, I was prepared. I thought of this beforehand, like, how the hell am I going to carry this? Uh, and it's freaking nerve wracking to have that amount of money on your oh, person. Oh, sure. <laughs> so what was the logic? Was it a tactical... What, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, what what drove you to take twenty grand out? Did you think the sky was falling? That yeah. Going to do everything. Everything. Yes, the sky was falling. Society is collapsing. Uh, you know, it's. Not, I Did didn't... you put it in a tactical backpack? <laughs> in a Jansport, homie. <laughs> a Jansport. <laughs> I put it in my eighth grade backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Next to my my uh, thermos. Um, <laughs> right, the yeah. backpack still had my etchings of my blue ink pen with <laughs> Faith No More and Red Hot Chili Peppers and 20 grand because the sky is falling. I love it. 
you know, I just play the odds. Yeah, I was anti-gun. And then I was like, I don't know, maybe I need one. I just, I, ch- I change my mind sometimes. It's okay to yeah, change your mind. Yeah, you're allowed to evolve. We all evolve. <laughs> I haven't used it, though. It's It's been a poser hobby, like, you know, like my snowboard. It's been like that, you know, it just sits there. I forgot I have it, actually. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of you with the snowboard, Brian. <laughs> Everyone. Like, I'm better with you with a gun. Everyone has <laughs> Fair enough. And now you, Paul. Paul's <laughs> Paul's very strapped, I think. Uh, you know, I, I like the the right to bear arms. I think it's a, a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, we'll see where it goes. But you know, you don't know what to believe. What, what's real with this? With the COVID, do I need a gun? What what has happened? I don't know what websites to believe. It's social media, man. It's it's ruined my mind. Yeah, you, you don't need it until you need it. And then when you need it, the value goes up real quick. You know, I saw it on a TikTok. That's why I went out and bought my first one. All right. <laughs> so I, so I, I don't buy into the, the, the TikTok. I'm not going to have that. There's enough people watching me. But I did go to the Denville Police Department and uh, I applied for a pistol permit, even though I had two pers- pistol permits back when I bought my... Uh, my shotgun, I was like, ah, I'm going to go get a pistol. And I was ah, I don't need it. What do I need that for? It's it's silly. And I went back to apply, and it was 10-week backup. So evidently, I'm not the only one having these thoughts. That's longer than a jacuzzi wait. You'd be surprised. Yeah. It's not that easy. It's not that easy at all. Just take a stab at it. Uh, so, yeah. Social media drives me crazy. I can't. It, it, I like Twitter. I find that I interesting. I can't figure out the TikTok thing. I, I've been watching these videos of um, the the selling out of the the cranberry juice because people are doing it to Fleetwood Mac, and I, I love Fleetwood Mac. But uh, me too. The whole cranberry thing has to do with Fleetwood Mac and why it's. Well, yeah. did you see the original video that spawned it all? No. It's, so it's this guy, it's like a Latino guy somewhere in LA or something. He's uh he's on a skateboard, like literally on the freeway. And he he, he takes this he rides a skateboard off of an exit on the freeway. He's just casually drinking ocean spray cranberry juice. And randomly he just starts mouthing Stevie Nicks and like right on cue, exactly in tune with the music. And it's only like a verse or two. But it's the last thing in the world that you expect to come out of this guy's mouth at that moment. He's just like, he looks like, uh, I don't know, he looks like um, red hot chili peppers or something on a skateboard in Southern California. Yeah, well, you know, he, he's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, well, that's what makes it interesting. In, in the age of yacht rock, it's, it's like a juxtaposition with a cool hipster California skater. And then you hear Stevie Vicks, you're like, whoa, what? Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you over here, big fan, big fan. I've already mentioned Yacht Rock review, and uh, I, I, I'm thrilled that he picked Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. Massive fan here. So, how much are they paying you, Yacht Rock review? <laughs> She's a uh, rich nothing, girl. Nothing. She's a fan. I'm no, just a no, fan. No, no, no. <laughs> Yacht Rock. But but speaking of Stevie Nicks and actually uh, and, and and social media, um, you know they're they're they're. it's a double-edged sword. I can't stand it. Yet, just like the mask, I enjoy hating it. I love going on my town websites. A police car just drove by. Does anybody know what's going on? And I just sit there and I wait. I wait for the feed and I wait for people to to say things that will get me upset. I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, And I also enjoy like really neat stuff. Like Brian, the the, the two kids, uh, what is it? The the twins... uh, God, yeah. the kids that do the uh, the first listen. Yes, Man, yes. What what what's their what are they again? The, the twins uh, are. The, I forget their name. The they're two twins. What were they? And, and their most popular clip is them reviewing Phil Collins in the air tonight. If you haven't seen that, check for sure. That out. Yeah, it's a good one. Is that where it's like mind blown hearing it? Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's definitely the quintessential one that will suck you in. But they also recently did like a Stevie Nicks song, and 
the guy on the left, the guy that might sometimes wear a do-rag, I yeah. love that guy. Yeah. When when whatever vocalist that they're listening to, particularly a female, hits a note, he just gets this like <laughs> pursed look on his face as if he just licked the lemon, but in a good way. Like <laughs> he just feels it. And I love yeah. watching it because the reaction is so genuinely sincere to quality music of all genres. And uh, I would like them to hang out with me in my house and play records and then, you know, take, take my take on maybe some, some early rap music, maybe some, some gang star or some Wu-Tang and, and my reaction, you know, to, to what would be considered their music and, and equally enthusiastic about it, you know, first time hearing. So just cool stuff, really cool stuff out there. We can invite them to the hot tub and play the Smiths for them. <laughs> I think they need to. Yeah. I think we play this, they might take off and they would be well righted to do so. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what they would think of the Smiths. They'd be like, hey guys, this isn't cool anymore. We're out. <laughs> That'd be the one man they wouldn't like. They'd be like, you know what? Enough. <laughs> Enough of this culture. I'm done. Yeah, but I mean, these are two African-American kids listening to primarily like rock and like, you know, country and quote unquote white people music. But, you know, the, the opposite wouldn't hold true. Like we already listen to a ton of hip hop and like, I don't know, we, it wouldn't be an experiment going the other way. I don't think it's already in our mass culture and in our brains. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. The point I was trying to make is like the first time I heard Wu-Tang, you know, yeah. in high school and the first time I heard Gangstar. Or, you know, all of us being in college, listening to, on repeat, you know, Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style. Yeah. The first time we played that, you know, we were all, like, <laughs> genuinely feeling it. Just the same way they felt Stevie Nicks, Phil Collins, uh, God, I think they did, Alice Cooper. So many so many great artists um, with it, such a, it, a broad spectrum. It's amazing how, how many of them are inspired from black culture, if you think of, like, early... Uh, Fleetwood Mac and how they were inspired by the blues, how uh, the Rolling Stones were inspired by the blues. All these bands were so inspired by uh, black culture music that, oh, uh, no you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see the evolution. And, you know, you think of Jimi Hendrix, you know, it, it, it's been out there for a long time. Well, it's funny how you mentioned Wu-Tang and, and um, how black culture is kind of burned into our to our culture. Um, so, you know, it's presidential election time and everybody's got signs out and I live in, you know, um, you know, the whitest of white suburbia. And one of the signs that caught my eye, the only sign that really caught my eye was one that said really, it, the first thing I saw was Wu-Tang is forever. That's in the <laughs> Have you seen it? <laughs> and when you get up close, you can see at the top, it says presidents are temporary, really small. And it says Wu-Tang is forever. And my son's friend has that in his front yard. I'm like, wow, thank you. Somebody did that. Yeah. It's and, true. And, you know, in Pequonic, which if anybody knew Pequonic, they'd know that that was, you know, uh, it was an anomaly for sure. Yeah, Denville's right there next to you. And it said presidents are temporary. But what was so cool is it was done in the same fashion as the presidential side. It was all yeah. red, white, and blue. But Wu Tang is forever. Yeah, <laughs> they're right. You know, a good write-in possibility. Better than sure. I went to Greece, and uh, one of the things that Greek people were buying in Greek stores, there were three things that Greeks really liked. It was Friday the Thirteenth, Jason Voorhees, all that stuff. The Yankees, which which pains me to say, and Wu Tang. Those were like the big things that Greek culture took from America. Wow, that makes sense. They're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, they are right, especially about the Yankees. Yeah, enough but about you. The Wu Tang have the same roots as Golan. Aren't they Staten Island? Staten, Staten Island, Island baby. Yes, oh. <laughs> There's Golan. Golan's at an event yes. right now. We're all zooming, by the way. <laughs> if you didn't. Yeah. Put that together. Go on. Can go on. Just tell us what he's doing because it's kind of fascinating. He's in a church hall, uh, judging by the ceiling. And uh, what are you doing, go on? Uh, he's gone again. But he's no, gone. I don't want to talk about the Yankees because, frankly, I just ate. It makes me sick. <laughs> are you? Yeah, they make me sick too. These uh, are, after, uh, are you watching? 
football or the baseball playoffs or you know it's in our our bubble quarantine sports life i'm starting i, to get I, I don't watch a lot but i i did see the uh the ankle break of the the cowboys quarterback man heartbreaking mm-hmm. you know even if you can't like the the cowboys you know that's just heartbreaking to see i have a heartbreaking football fantasy football story real quick so I'm not a great football mind, but I've been playing fantasy football the last two years, and it's completely hooked me. So I was beating this guy this week by three points, and he had played all his guys, and I had just my defense left last night, which was the Buffalo defense. And I could have benched him and won by three points, and I figured I'll leave him in. They're not going to lose three points. You know, maybe they lose one if they have a bad game. They lost seven points. And so I lost just because I left my defense in. So I'll never do that again. Let that be a lesson at home, kids. Yeah. <laughs> fantasy football definitely uh, hooks you. It's fantasy football and betting. So only, the only time I've gotten to a full season was a season I was betting and following fantasy football. Yeah, I, know, I, I never in a million years would watch a Tuesday night game, Buffalo against Tennessee. No, no interest whatsoever. But I couldn't, I couldn't change the channel. Watch it yeah, I think I would be way more into sports if I was a gambler. Yeah, I I never had the vice of gambling, but I'm, I'm pretty into sports, so I guess it all depends on how your brain is wired. No fantasy leagues, Brian? No, I got out the game around the early 2000s. I was terrible. My As soon as like somebody's like mom beat me in fantasy football, I was like, I'm out. This is embarrassing. <laughs> but now it's so easy to do the homework. It's all, all the numbers are crunched. I know. You know, there's no mystery. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know any of these guys. But I, last year, I finished second out of 14. But uh, Chris, if you remember, in the early aughts, when we had a fantasy baseball league, I had a ringer playing all my numbers. It wasn't me. It was my friend Pete from high school. Oh, really? And uh, it, it, remember, he took me from, like, last place to first. And this is like early, early like Yahoo fantasy baseball. Yeah. And um <clears throat> Pete was Pete was doing everything. Pete turned out to be a math statistics teacher and now he's a vice principal for for a high school in, in New Jersey. But uh he knew baseball inside and out. <clears throat> and I explained to him my my, my, my fantasy baseball dilemma. So I, he got my username and password and he slowly bumped me up above you know dan above you and I, I remember you getting all pissed off about it and you're like whatever andy <laughs> because all baseball is like pitching and uh yeah. pete had had got like the best pitching staff on my roster and you're like all right andy you and your plethora of pitching and then pete wrote back in my as me and he's like drink your own piss and you knew at that point that that was not my voice like what is going on here and yeah. would never say that but drink your own piss chris he hired a, he hired a man he hired a guy. I, I was immediately outed on my, my fantasy baseball league yeah. that oh, i was supposed to win the truth yeah. comes out a decade later That's oh it. two decades two later decades. Brian, it was the early aughts oh. It was 0-1. You need to forfeit that money if you won the league. I didn't. I didn't get anything. Oh, scandalous! I'll never expect a check for thirty-seven dollars. <laughs> now, I, in today's money, that would be two thousand dollars. That's right. I'm more of a football guy than baseball. I could never do fantasy baseball. Football's a superior sport now. For fantasy years, yeah, you do it once a week and you're done. So speaking of football, uh, my, my son uh, recently joined football in seventh grade, and I never really understood the reverence that the parents give to the football players. My God, he's never played football. He, he, he did wrestling, okay? He, wrestling's tough. He, he, and wrestling, he, he joined football, and he's like, oh, this is a piece of cake compared to wrestling practices. This is easy, right? But... If, if, if you get your face smashed in, you turn it over on the mat, and you, you wrench this kid and throw him down, you win. What do you get? Maybe, maybe a cheeseburger at the Jefferson Diner. Now he's on the football team, smallest kid on the team, easily. Just there for the win, okay? Everybody's throwing these parties. 
oh, the reverence is unbelievable. <laughs> and I had no idea because I've never been a part of it. But uh, certainly this is where the cool kids are. And I don't want to take that away from my son. But I, I, I look at it with a, with a question. I'm not sure. Is this, is this a good thing? Are we building them up too much? Is this a bit much? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, they need to enjoy these years because they'll have brain damage later. So this is the their golden years. Ow. Ow. Is, is that a thought. little bit like Al Bundy, like scoring four touchdowns in one game in high school? That's it? Is that the pinnacle? Uh, yeah, I mean, do you go for the sport that allows for personal growth and one-on-one kind of uh, – sort of epiphanies or do you go for the the one that puts you in the cool crowd definitely getting more girls rest uh, uh-huh. with the football playing more girls well no that doubt. that's why i switched from playing soccer in high school or uh, grade school over to football in high school i, was yeah, like, I think it's a smart move yeah it worked out yeah but you know if you're really good at soccer yeah and we're really good at any sport the girls will come it's it's football actually you can get by not being that great <laughs> oh absolutely that's why like, i made I the move the jersey <laughs> you're like, not the jersey. Not a soccer player then nobody's gonna care about you but yeah. can, as long as you're on the football team yeah. you're, just be on the team yeah you could get girls if you played special teams even i think <laughs> um, everybody's gonna tickle your taint just for <laughs> being there it's amazing <laughs> I did get one interception though. That was the highlight. I caught it. I think it's unfair. Let's discuss this more. I think it's a bit unfair. What? That uh, football gets praised more? Uh, Yes. Why the reverence? Well, it's a better television sport. If if wrestling was a fantastic television sport, it would have a bigger, uh, you know, grassroots and and local and regional following. It's not. It's not fun to watch. Is central of uh, testosterone. Like you, you can't survive on a football team without testosterone. That goes a long way. Paul's the wild card. Well, I mean, Paul, you were a good wrestler. How do you feel about that's this? right, Paul? You were a wrestler, like a pretty good one. I, that's right. I was a great wrestler. Yeah. I wrestled, and I was a terrible football player. And uh, you know, I, I definitely think there's some uh, accolades that people put more focus on uh, on football. Um, but it doesn't mean uh, that's where it's at. I guess it depends on the town. Yeah. Your town, it's uh, football. If you have no, I don't think the team. I think it does. I think it's pretty universal. I remember wrestling Paul in in the freshman uh, dorm in our dorm, and uh, he folded me up really fast. He used some ninja move and used my weight against me somehow and had me folded up within a matter of seconds. Those were the good times. I I remember a very small friend in college. Sorry, Paul, say that again. No, no. I I said, uh, I think he was playing the Smiths. (laughs) It made me weaker. It decreased (laughs) my testosterone, I think. I was so full of estrogen, I could hardly wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of times, it depend on how well the the high school programs are going, or how well the state program or even the national team is doing, and that that translates into the excitement in the the household. So I think you know the years that like the, the soccer comes to into the United States, you know, it became a big thing, and there was some prestige to it. But you know, when the it's not supported at the national and the local or the regional level. And uh, it doesn't translate to the kids. You know, they like to see their superstars. It's like, you know, when Michael Jordan was playing, basketball was a big thing. A really big thing. When he was scoring, he was exciting to watch. You know, basketball was a huge thing. I don't know if that still stands today. It's free enterprise. People will gravitate to whatever entertains them. So the sports have to keep up or adapt or die. I, I guess, and I, I could see everyone's point. It's just there's something, and maybe it's just because I couldn't play the game. Yeah, I was too frail and spindly. <laughs> maybe I got an axe to grind here, guys. I'm not sure. But at the same time, I don't even like my daughter cheerleading because it indoctrinates them to just give reverence to the football players. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's annoying. It, there is a lot of that in the sport. You're, Absolutely. You're working through your own Freudian trauma, Andy, it sounds like. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying I'm not. 
However, I do think I have a valid point, something that needs to be discussed. And we need to flush this out on this here podcast well, right now. Yeah, I mean, I take your point in cheerleading. My oldest is a cheerleader. And yeah, it's like it's a sport set up to cheer for another sport. It seems counter to this uh, woman's movement and empowered women, doesn't it? It seems like sort of a throwback to 1950s housewife culture, the cheerleading. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't exactly jive with the future is feminine. <laughs> no. But, you know, it, it, I mean, you talk to cheerleaders. Like, I had a cousin who was a competitive cheerleader in college, and, like, there's a Netflix series, Cheer. I haven't seen much of it, but, you know, it's uh, it definitely shows you that there is skill to it, you know, and there's, like, a, a lot of athleticism at a high level. Maybe not, you know, you know, at your daughter's level, Andy, but, you know, cheering can be can be its own kind of art form. and, and Oh, oh there, there's, there's no doubt about that. And I don't want to take anything out of it, for sure. There is a, no doubt in athleticism and a beauty to, to the sport. However, it's only applied at the highest level to football players. But isn't Annoying. It, isn't it something at a more raw mm -hmm. level that, you know, football players have significant testosterone and cheerleaders have significant estrogen? It's, it's it's more of like a, a raw nature thing as opposed to, you know, the beauty and sit back and watch and, you know, anyone can be anywhere. It's it's really a, a concentration of like raw nature within our society. You can go to school and work on a book. You can, you know, do a lot of different things. But when it comes to football, it's, it's go out and kill the man. And the cheerleaders are, you know, cheer on the man that's going out and, and you know, go oh, for sure. Yeah, there, there, there is a rawness to it, and I think at the very, the, the very heart of it, it's like uh, we need war, we need confrontation, we need this uh, opposing team, we need this opposing force to fight, and who's going to be there to to help the men go forward? But the women, it is, it is very backwards, uh, not backwards. It's very, um, very ancient, uh, non-progressive. At the heart of it, in football as opposed to wrestling, it's when you're on the field. It's not about the women on the sideline. The women on the sideline are more of you know for the crowd and and maybe you know you know something to chase after the football game. But when you're on the football field, the team sport, and you're depending on the other men on the field to play the sport with you. But wrestling is very different. It's just you out there doing it for the team and entertaining the crowd. Yeah, uh, the, the football is my country versus your country. Wrestling's me versus you. Yeah, football is a mob. It's a mob mentality in football. It's a, you know, it's a group effort. You know, I, there, I there wonder is a mob if mentality and it, it's also tribalism. You know, my state, my town, my sure. team, my country versus yours. We're tribal. Sure, these are war simulations. Yeah, they absolutely. Are. It's the uh, gladiatorial contest. Yeah, well, the Raiders used to play in a place called the Coliseum, so it was everything old is new again. Sure, but so I mean, I like, just answer my own question. Well, like in ten years, will the alpha male be the football player and the alpha female be the head cheerleader? I see like a a movement towards a more like androgynous sort of society. Mm. I don't even know if these, if this hierarchy will hold up another 10 years. I, I know one of my friends uh, was a decathlon athlete and uh, he became a cheerleader during the uh, football season. And uh, he, he did it more because he was able to, to lift up the girls and throw them in the air and catch them. So I, I don't know if it, it will ever change where it'll, the uh, androgynous. I think it'll go away before it becomes androgynous because androgyny contributes to other things that are, are not football related or not war related. Cassie, you're more of a baseball guy though. Why baseball? <laughs> uh, I thought Chris was more androgynous. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. I mixed my notes up. You're more of an androgynous guy. Yeah, I had long hairs on the baseball team, the soccer team. That's what I did. Yeah, baseball and soccer. I I loved baseball from when I was little. You know, I just you had long hair too. I, yeah, well, there's there's a lot of uh, things we could dissect. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Baseball just has it just has something to it that 
you know, football has strategy, of course, and it probably has, well, it's almost too complicated in terms of its strategy and its positions and its plays. And whereas baseball is, uh, you know, and I've used this before with you guys where, you know, liken it to jazz where football is more like heavy metal. You know, it's like football is <clears throat> balls to the wall, excitement, like full adrenaline, you know, and uh, baseball yeah, meanders. Yeah. Baseball is more like, you know, you get this occasional flourish and then you get down into the, like the basic beat for a while, the basic rhythm. And, you, you know, you're just, it's kind of a chess match. And then something big happens and then you get a big, another flourish. And, uh, and there's all these different situations. You know, football has situations, but, but baseball has, I think, you know, exponentially more different types of situations, different types of things that could happen, you know, when the ball is hit or not hit. And, uh, you know, your, your players are chess pieces in a way that maybe isn't quite the same in football. So I, for me, it was always, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, so it's more of an intellectual game. Yeah, the baseball intellectual. That is a thing. So oh, yeah. I see them like they're also often heavily involved in history and baseball. I feel like people I know that are like that. It's a it's an archetype, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I guess my interests mirror kind of look at any Ken Burns documentary and I'm probably interested in that, you know. So and, and he did a huge series on baseball and the, the Civil War and jazz and all these things. But he hasn't done one on football. And I don't know if there's a reason for that. But I think baseball is kind of. Apple pie, it's, you know, it's old school American. It's before, before you heard about Joe Namath and Joe Theismann and those guys, you were hearing about Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Ty Cobb. And it just, it has more of a history, I think. But uh, anyway, that's my take. Hey, I, uh, I have to read the advertisement for the podcast here. So uh, you can sit back and enjoy this. This podcast is oh, being... Oh, Andrew <laughs> Allen Real Estate? Yeah, go ahead, Andy. Number Plug- one real estate in Denville, New Jersey. <laughs> Plug yourself, Andy. Go ahead. Nah, that's that's all I got. Talk about integrity it, wealth management. Andy Andy's known as the lake guy. <laughs> his, I am uh, the lake guy. Yeah, I, in uh, his real estate world. Are you on a bench in, uh, in Denville? Sorry? Aren't you on a bench in Denville? I was on a bench, Paul. The the uh, the Acme uh, uh, the A and P uh, was bought out by Acme, and they removed my bench without notice. Ouch. I would have liked to have that bench. Yeah, no, the bench is no longer an option. Bit of an ego blow, no. Yeah, I can tell you that in all of New Jersey, in every Century Twenty One agents, I am number twelve currently, and I do expect that to push up to top ten. Before the end of 2020, all that work I did in early COVID, it's going to pay off. And I believe that Andy Allen will be top 10 Century 21 agents in all of New Jersey you heard before it here. the end of the year. You heard Currently, it here first. Hanging on at number 12. <laughs> Are we having uh, fantasy sports bets on this one? Yeah, you just need <laughs> that sense. final push. <laughs> Betting on real estate agents uh-huh. in the top 10, who makes it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. When I went, but if I had all that money that I made from real estate, I'm gonna call integrity wealth <laughs> management. I'm a huge fan. Brian, go on. Great segue. Well, actually, ironically enough, this podcast is sponsored by Integrity Wealth Management. So I'm glad you mentioned that. They can help you with what port- hell you say. <laughs> they can help you with portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, estate planning, and services. Life insurance and wealth preservation strategies. Give them a call at 215 864 3598 or visit their website at www.integritywealthmanagement.com. It's no Andy the Lake guy. When I went to see, no, it- when I went to see Andy, we, like I said, we went mountain biking, and uh, I feel like he purposely chose a path to get to the, the mountain bike trail <laughs> that, that went by a number of. Andy Allen sold signs, like houses that were sold. And he's like, oh, did we pass another one? I didn't even know. But I feel like prior to my arrival, he uh, mapped out a route that would cause us to pass all of these sold signs. Yeah, it's hard to find a route that we wouldn't find one. <laughs> I guess so. You do. You own that lake. You're like the mayor of that town. What's, what's your secret, Andy? Well, your home is your health. That's um, 
you know, actually, I'm kind of not kidding right now, but one of my friends uh, uh, read this book to, uh, I forget what the title was, but it was to, to determine your archetype. And uh, archetype. He, he called me out on it. And actually, archetype. And I archetype, think it's just two syllables. Yes. I think. Archetype. Maybe not. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. We're gonna, you I, off. If, again, if this was a better podcast, we'd have somebody like Jamie Look to it Google up. it. But, just, uh, let's just call it archetype for right now. But uh, my friend said, he's like, you're a connector. Mm. And um, as soon as somebody says that they need to move or, or whatever they need, my Rolodex starts scrolling through who I know that can solve their problem. And I actually put that on my website uh, as that's kind of how I do it. And it, it has been um, been working out. Kind of fun. Kind of so nice. I just Googled it. I've been your assistant here. So we've got Start With No, Awakening the Hero Within, The Power of Archetypes, and Jesus Entrepreneur. Andy's the last one. Um, <laughs> no, that's Chris. Uh, well, it's good to know I, yourself when you know yeah, where you're coming from. Example. You know your strength. Producer archetypes got its energy. Connector. He's connector. a connector. I connector. can see that. All right. Yeah, connector. I wanted to go back to sports and um, reference a conversation that Chris and I had when our families took a trip out uh, out west to Yellowstone National Park and. Uh, Chris's wife, Rosa, you know, always just the, 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 the fun spirit and keeping everybody like, even when everybody's tired, we'd be back in these small, you know, small, very, very, very simple hotel rooms, cabins, if you will. Sure. And, and Chris would pick up the guitar and Rosa would, would bust out some game that she had that, that would just bring everybody together. And she had this one game. Well, it wasn't even a game. It was just like talking points almost. And, uh, it asked what your favorite, who was your favorite athlete or what, what did your mom teach you? And, and I, and I never even thought about my favorite athlete just because I was never really into like major sports. And I, I told her uh, that my favorite athletes were uh, Jake Burton and uh, Jack O'Neill. And uh, Jake Burton was the inventor of the snowboard and uh, Jack O'Neill was um, the inventor. He was a surfer and he was the inventor of the wetsuit. Such cool guys. It was such so, so out of left field. And Rose actually made me think, you know, mm. easy to say, Don Mattingly, you know, Michael oh, Jordan. Oh, and, I, and I couldn't connect with any of that. And I really had to rack my brain. And these guys are, 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 are fellows that pushed these kind of fringe sports. And that's what I'm into. You know, that, that's what I really like. And uh, you like your extreme guys, sports. Sorry? You like your extreme sports. I don't know if you call them extreme. They're just not mainstream. You know, they're not, they're not, they don't have the reverence. No one's going to have a party with 36 pizzas because we won the football game. If, if I went kiteboarding or if I went, you know, uh, uh, or, or did any, or mountain biking. No, no one cares. No one you mean cares. Your daughter's not cheering for the kiteboarding team? The Denver nope. Team? Nope. There is no Denver kiteboarding team. No one cares. People couldn't care less. But uh, I find these sports fascinating. I find them so cool because they're so out of left field. They're so pushing, pushing the limits and doing stuff that's, uh, you know, you're, you're on your own. You do great. Awesome. You got all the glory. You screw up. You got all the penalty. You know, you, it's a high consequence sport. I like that. And that's just me. But no one's, no one's doing a fantasy kiteboarding team. That's for damn sure. Maybe they should. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they should. Not going to go anywhere, Chris. You know that. What is <laughs> now you're mocking me. There might be a reason for that. Uh, what the, do you really do on kiteboarding? I mean, I understand you do some acrobatics there, but and what, what's the competition? There is no competition. The competition is yourself. Enjoyment. How, how do you uh, win? Yeah. Uh, by the way, the answers you provided, Rosa, to that board game, they were wrong. The answer was Michael Jordan. Uh, I, I, I figured as much, <laughs> but that was my answer. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I need scores. I need points. It's the one thing, my being a sports fan, it's the one thing where I'm in herd mentality. It's okay to be a, to get into tribalism, I think, for one thing. For me, anyway. Anywhere else, I'm an individualist. Yeah, look, I realize I'm in the minority, and I'm not arguing that point. I'm mm. just saying that there's something to be said for these fringe sports. No doubt. So, 
you like to uh, you like to explore the uh, the off the beaten path type stuff. You like to like dig in deep. You don't like to stay on the surface. You well. know what, Paul? I think at the end of the day, I just got beat up too much in high school, and I was never going to be on the football team. So this is my this is my fu to everybody else. We're, we're working <laughs> through. Right. We're working through a lot of trauma tonight. We really are. Yeah. And that's really what the podcast is all about. Let's let's flesh yeah. it out. Yeah. Put it let's on the table. Let's talk about it. And, and so. Andy, I I was brutally cruel to a couple uh Dungeons and Dragons kids in high school, I think. And I realized it was because I was jealous because I, I couldn't figure out how to play Dungeons and Dragons. So I just I turned to violence. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so no. So I do remember you talking about Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, Brian, on, a, on another podcast that you presented. And in my mind, I was speaking to you, and I'm glad you brought it up. I'm going to say you were right to be mean to those kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, not a fan. Don't get it. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. I, I was saying Brian never embraced Doug. I mean, Doug was a re- representation <laughs> of Dungeons and Dragons in college. <laughs> For those listeners that don't know who Doug is, Doug was basically the anti-Andy Allen. He was my freshman year roommate. And uh, I stood a very modest 5'9 back in uh, 19, uh, God, 1994 when I had my uh, my freshman year dorm. I was modest 5'9, probably 130 pounds wet. And I had this massive, massive roommate. He stood probably 6'1 standing up. However, it's at least 6'3. He was hunch over, and um, I, I actually stood taller than Doug at most oh. times because he had such a hump in his back, and yeah. he, he, he just had a big, big curly hair that was unkempt <laughs> and uh, just kind of a sad fella. Sad. He, he had some man. self-esteem big, issues, definitely. I think that caused big, the posture. Big time. Yeah. He was but the he first. Was, yeah. he, he was happy when you, when you showed up with the, uh, the Star Trek thing. Yeah, he was the first person I ever saw wearing a complete Star Trek outfit. Yeah, I, 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 the one thing that we can absolutely agree on is Star Trek, the extreme. next generation. Sorry? He was extreme. He went sleigh riding. I never, never saw such a smile on Doug the day we took him sleigh riding mm-hmm. up on the hill. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I remember I, uh, that. I, thinking back, it, it, while I was in it, I was really upset that he was my roommate. I was like, <laughs> Why, why did I get played this card? Come on, man. Come on. Let me get a cool roommate who's going to help integrate me. Who is a moderate? I wasn't a dork, but I certainly wasn't a cool guy. And I, I was I was upset about this. But in retrospect, I'm glad for Doug. I'm glad I had him as a roommate. Um, I'm thankful for him. He taught me a lot. And I enjoyed watching Star Trek The Next Generation with him because I genuinely liked it. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, you don't get this... You don't understand it while you're in it, but uh, but life gives you some cool cards, and you got to play them right. And I'm I'm glad for Doug, and I, I wish him well. It's kind of like the masks, right? You don't understand it while you're in it, but you're gonna have some nostalgia for it when it's gone. No, no, I will hate them. <laughs> I will I will enjoy hating the masks. I look forward to your social media posts about masks you've seen on the road. Uh, How did we go from such a deep thought to back to now? <laughs> is it just nostalgia for it, early COVID? Is that what we're all going back to? This I think so. Light, guys. This is where we are now. It's, Chris, it's could, you, could you please share the story of when we were in uh, Yellowstone, we were hiking, and the, the guy aggressively put on his yeah. hat? Come favorite. on, tell us about that. Yeah, so this goes back to the just the arbitrary nature of how we're wearing masks and there's just no one knows when to put them on and when to when they're okay to take it off so when we went out to yellowstone you know i I kind of figured like we're going out to wyoming it's more conservative it's uh people are going to be kind of you know more about freedom and screw the mask thing is what i figured but then we got not they were not but but we weren't seeing wyomingians you know we were seeing we were seeing hipsters from like the cool places, the liberal places, you know? And so anyway, we, we kept coming across these groups of people that like, you know, uh, you know, some of them were wearing masks, some of them were, and then a lot of them would just like flip the mask up when they saw us getting close. And then like 
you know, if we had our mask handy, we might do the same, or we might just say screw it and walk by him with no mask on. But then there was this one group of people that pulled over, <laughs> pulled over to the side of the trail, and this was a small, very narrow trail, but they kind of saw us coming 20, 30 feet away, and they, they kind of came to a stop and got as far over as they could, and we're going to let us pass. And then just as we get up, <laughs> the, the taller guy, and he's probably in his late 20s or something, mm-hmm pulls out his mask and he sees us coming and he like almost sticks his head out right at us and throws his mask over his face like in a really aggressive posture as if they like where's your mask you know put it on without saying (laughs) none of this is an exaggeration chris's story is exactly as it happened this guy aggressively leaned into his desk if you could see me right now he like looked left and right left and right and then leaned into the mask it was it was a whole to do yeah it was it was all like a show it was a presentation of the mask so it sent a message and i will be when when all this is passed i will be nostalgic for hating that guy (laughs) and and so my reaction was basically a head nod yeah and then continue on without my mask. Screw you. I'm out Stop, here. dude. I'm in, I'm in Yellowstone. I don't need to wear my mask. And you've got the antibodies. And I had, yeah, I still had the Super Mario glow. Hey, all right. We're coming up on an hour here. I think we're going to shut things down. Any final words, folks? What else needs to be discussed. Uh, well, Just a moment of silence for Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I asked Castle to whip his guitar out. Give us some Van Halen, the passing of Eddie Van Halen. Uh, quite a bummer last week. Castle's, Castle's a killer guitar player. Uh, hit us with something, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm no Van Halen, but uh, here's what I can do. Just so worthy damn tribute. cool. That was my first concert ever. 
and Van Halen in 1984 and what you just played Panama is so influential for when I was just a little kid. That was what was cool. I didn't understand. There was no internet. There was no something that you could research that would tell you what was cool. David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen were cool. That's all I knew. And I'm going to say I was correct by, by accepting that that was cool. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I had the 45 Bye-bye record. Eddie. Jump on the one side, Panama on the other. One of my first records. And uh, yeah, the music lives on. It still sounds good. No doubt. Uh, and you sounded good playing it. All right, folks. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. Chris, Andy, Paul, and sort of Golan, who's been dipping in and out. Uh, thanks, guys. And All right. Thank you. The Brian Francis Podcast. Questions, comments, concerns, complaints. Contact Brian Francis at out, Brian Francis Podcast at Outlook.com. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Later. Hugs and kisses, everyone.